Welcome to Stand Up Comedy Sex Ed. It's where you can get questions answered like How long does it take the average man to orgasm? And How long does it take the average woman to orgasm? And also Why is it so hot in here? Audiences agree, it's brilliantly funny. Raylene makes sex ed fun. This show is entertaining, factual, and relatable. There's nothing worse than being halfway done with sex and feeling your vagina shut down on you. <laughs> You've got to see stand-up comedy sex ed. I am ready to go do that comedy show. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to the stand-up comedy sex ed podcast hosted by Raylene Taskowski and some other guests. And today's guest is Angel Johnstone, a confidence educator and erotic author. Oh my God, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, I mean, I really want to hear about this confidence educator. I did some poking around before you came on the show, which I actually don't usually do because I like to kind of go in blind. Um, but it's about finding the desire again. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely about that. And that's not to say that it ever left. It's just we tend to push it aside because life gets busy and things are, you know, seem more important than that um, for a lot of women. So we, uh, we move away uh, from our passions and our desires and into taking care of others mode a lot. And, uh, and then suddenly we wake up 10 years later and we're like, wait a minute, what happened to me? Where's right. where? And, uh, and so I help women kind of reconnect with that fiery spirit that they might, might've once had. And that includes um, in the bedroom and out of the bedroom. So I've been teaching confidence for quite a few years, um, doing speaking engagements and and uh, online classes and all kinds of things. And it kind of just moved into uh, really tapping into that sex drive um, that a lot of women have put on the back burner because there's so much power in that. I was just thinking um, when you started talking, I wonder if those of us who became parents at a really young age um, have trouble getting a sexy back because we never had a sexy, you know, like we had a, just like one or two years of having sex, but we never developed, you know, like a sexy, you know, whatever. Cause we've always been caretakers from pretty much the time we were starting to have sex, we became caretakers. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that's, that's a thing. Cause when I see people and, you know, I, I see, I don't know, some people who just love their sexuality. And I'm just like, Ugh. I just want the <laughs> orgasm. Do I really have to do all that? And I wonder if, because like it was always on the back burner once I became a parent, which I right. became a parent. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's a good possibility. I think it's, um, it's interesting. I became a parent late. I was 40. Um, so I had a good chunk of time, you know, to get my sexy on, so to speak, but I was also married for a good chunk of that. And we hadn't had kids. Um, so I don't know. I think it's just really depends on what the challenges are in your life. I know for me, I was working a corporate job. Um, at one point I was working about a hundred hours a week. So there wasn't any sexy because there wasn't any time for that. Um, that sounds horrible. Shower, get anything, get going on. Um, so I think we all have our challenges of caretaking and it's not just kids. It could be parents. I'm doing elderly caretaking for my mom right now. And it's um, a much bigger commitment than you ever realize. Um, I've got a nine-year-old. I'm 50. That's a little bit of running around, you know, and then there's also the caretaking of either a spouse or your job or all, all of those things all at the same time. And wherever that caretaking starts is kind of 
kind of where we go down the path of neglecting the sexy part of us uh, because we feel so that we're needed. We, we need to be doing all these other things for everyone else and that our needs are, you know, not the priority. Um, I find that women, especially who've had kids in their 20s, 30s, 40s, when the kid hits a certain age where it doesn't really need that much mommying anymore, um, that's when they're kind of like, how do I get this sex thing back? (laughs) (laughs) Or I never had it and and I want it. Or I had it and I'm like, that was pretty cool. I would like to go back there. Um, But they don't know how. And so it's really a tough... um, a tough transition to one honor that that is a part of them because when you shut something down for so long, you, you kind of think, Oh, that's not important. That's not really me. Or there's this whole, like, you know, Madonna whore complex thing that you hear about where like, I'm supposed to be this chaste mom. I'm supposed to be raising my kids and giving them good morals. So I can't have any of that um, even in my private life. So there's a lot of baggage, right? There's a lot of baggage in unpacking desire and unpacking how to get back to a life that allows for those desires to be met. Um, I, this is a process for me. I didn't start teaching confidence because I walked out of the womb confident. I stopped, started teaching confidence because everyone was like, well, you seem confident. And I'm like, really? Do I? <laughs> so I, I was like, what is that exactly? All the time. All the time. People are like, yeah. oh, you're so confident. And I'm like, I am, I am a scared little kitten behind hiding behind a rocking chair. And then every now and then I come out and I go roar and then I go back there (laughs) and I'm not confident. And, and, but that's what people see. And I, I find that really strange sometimes. Yeah. It was so strange for me that I was like, what is confidence? Like, what are they even seeing? So I did a lot of like research, like, what does this look like? And why do people say that? And why don't they see that in themselves when I see it in them? They obviously see it in me and I'm like, you got to be kidding me, right? Right. And I see it in them and they're like, oh no, no, I could never do it. You do. And I'm like, okay, so we're all just faking it? Is right. that? <laughs> and yeah, that I could never do what you do. I yeah. hear that constantly. And I'm like, yeah, yeah you could. Yeah, you could. You absolutely could. You could. Anybody can do anything if they have the training and the time invested in doing it. It's just right. a matter of learning that. And the why. And the why and the want to. Yeah, you have to want to. Um, So it's really interesting to see how my progress, my own progression, like my teaching came out of my learning about me and my learning about my desire and how to find that and how to get that in my life. And, and it's so interesting to walk other people through that process. Yeah. I always wonder why, like, you know, when everybody says, what's the, what's the top three things that are true about you? And I'm always like, I'm smart and I'm funny and I don't have a third. Like there's just nothing. And, and people will say, you know, and I'll ask them like, what is it? And, and they'll say, oh, you're confident and you're, and, and everybody confident, confident, confident. And I'm just, where are you guys getting this? Like, <laughs> What is it that says confident? You know, I think it's just the ability to put fear aside and do it anyway. That's what I've come down to. It's like people see you do something that they would fear. And even if you don't fear it, that's a whole nother thing. But um, if something that they think they would fear and do it anyway, I mean, public speaking, being yeah. on podcast, doing sales, whatever, all of those selling, things selling are all toys. things that <laughs> people have like this, like, I don't think I could do that. Um, 
And so they assume that if you can, therefore you must have some magical sauce that they don't have. Um, and, and I've tried to eliminate that and say like, there's no magic sauce. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's, that was, yeah. That, you know, it was weird though, because when, when I started getting into the direct sales realm um, and you know, every, I would hear everybody say, oh, I could never do that. I could do that. And I was like, I could do that. <laughs> I could do that easily. Like, and yeah. I didn't, you know, if you, if you don't really know that much about me, but when I started, I had uh, nothing. I had no toys, no lubes, no heighteners, no cleaners, no lingerie. And as my joke goes, I also had no complaints. Right. right. So when yeah. I first started out doing what I did and it's, you know, the, the reason I said no at first was I'm a born again, Christian soccer mom. I'm not going to sell sex toys. Mm -hmm. And then this, then she told me how much she was making. And I was just like, well, I'm not that good of a Excuse Christian. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I was like, what, how much are you making? And, uh, and so that's actually how I got started, but it, it was never, the, I never, never thought to myself, I can't do that. It was just like, I wouldn't do that. And then all mm -hmm. of a sudden I was right. doing it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. I mean, you don't realize that the things that, I mean, I never thought in a million years, my first book would be an erotica book. <laughs> Not on the radar. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about that. I have been wanting to have an erotica writer on, and I did last week did have someone who also writes erotica. And mm -hmm. so I'm not a porn person. I've never been a porn person. I mean, I get it. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and I've said this before on my, on my podcast, like one night, my husband and I were in a hotel and, uh, you know, Cinemax at night was on where they just have their soft core, you know, like, mm -hmm. and, and it was like 10 minutes. And we were both like, Oh, okay. That's enough. Let's have sex. You know, and it's just like, and that was more than enough. Um, mm -hmm. I've seen porn before. I'm not, you know, like, but yeah. I just never, first, I never thought it was erotic. I was thought it was just kind of awkward to watch and uncomfortable and it's all of those things yes <laughs> yes and and out of you know out of the realm of possibility you know nobody's coming to my daughter to my daughter that's awful no one's coming to my door with a pizza and i'm like i hey, don't baby. have any money let me fuck you for it like that's not gonna happen <laughs> exactly not in this like, life oh, let me wash your car i'm sorry i lost my wallet can i wash your car real quick for the pizza yeah, can i wash <laughs> it with my boobs yeah <laughs> that's yes but erotica, uh, you know, I've, uh, I mean, I would say Fifty Shades of Grey was probably my first foray into it. And then there was um, on Amazon, they had the free books. If you had a Kindle, they always have free books. Perfect, and yeah. I learned really, really quickly that before you just look at the title and the story, because a romance novel looks like a romance novel, no matter what, mm -hmm. you need to find out what category it is. Because if it's Christian or if it's erotica, it is not the story you were looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Either way. <laughs> Either way. You know, and both of them, you get, you know, a couple chapters in and you're like, oh, this is good. And then a, a, a couple more chapters in, you're like, oh, what did I download? <laughs> <laughs> what did I get myself into? Oh, no. Right. But at least then I get to let my brain do the, do the work and the walking and, you know, I can, you know, pause it, you know, when yeah. I'm ready and I can pick it back up when I'm ready. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah. How did you get started? What made you decide to write erotica? Wow. Okay. So um, hmm. the easiest description of this is that I had joined a women's um, empowerment group, 900 women um, under the, um, 
tutelage of uh, Regina Tomashore, uh, who's written many books about women's power and desire. And um, we are encouraged in that group to brag. And um, I have a pretty happy sex life. And so I was bragging to my girlfriends. And they were like, oh, my God, you need to write this down because I want to read it again. <laughs> and so I started turning those stories into and, and stories of other women that I knew in the group into these short stories. And I did so with the um, very feminine, um, very female centered uh, guy, viewpoint. So in other words, it's written from first person uh, female viewpoint, um, which is there's not a ton of that out there. A lot of stuff is, you know, made by men for men. Um, and I also made it very, that the male characters were very nondescript um, so that you could insert in your mind as you're reading um, the uh, gentleman of your choice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I, and I purposely put in, sprinkled in there a lot of sex ed, um, things that women may or may not know about their own sexuality that, um, or that their partners may or may not know. Um, so that they could also so please tell me these women are using lube. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that's another you know, good question. Like, you know, what are you using lube for? Are you using it the right way? <laughs> All those type of things. Right. But, so but I tried to I intersperse a little bit. All the erotica that I read, the woman is always wet like a faucet all of the time. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, you know, some of us are, woman? but not everybody. Right. <laughs> so I tried to write it in such a way that you could really insert yourself into the story and, and see yourself in that role of, um, of the, the female. And then I, um, working on some other stories that um, switch up the gender roles a little bit and also switch up gender completely. So it's not just man and women, uh, man and a woman. So that will give a little bit of more depth and uh, possibility to, to the readers for my next series. Um, the interesting thing about that is as I was bragging to my girlfriends, um, you know, I was doing it in just little snippets. It wasn't anything dramatic, you know, but they were like, oh my God, this is so hot. And then as I started writing actual stories and sending them out to my friends, hey, can you edit this for me? Can you look at it? Can you read it? They were like, this is like nothing I've seen before because it's not, um, again, we're in such, porn is such a male dominated industry. And right. unfortunately, even the erotica, I write kind of like, um, it's almost like penthouse forum. Yeah. For Nice. <laughs> so it's, it's got all the bad language in it, right? But it's it's from my perspective and, and the perspective of female character. So I try to make it so that someone can really kind of insert themselves into the story and and have a little bit of wiggle room with what he looks like and what they're doing um, so that they can make it their own. Um, one of the things I found in doing that with the first book was that women were starting to read it to their male partners uh, in bed. And reporting back to me that it was like the best sex of their lives because it basically Eyes. him step by step instructions on what to do to her. That's hysterical. Yeah, <laughs> that that reminds me of like um, when my husband and I first moved back to Connecticut, uh, we didn't have a house. We were living in an RV in my parents' backyard, mm -hmm. and to keep things interesting because it was very difficult because we had no life we had no house we had you know we didn't have a bedroom um we would uh my husband would get me the uh what was it called maxim magazine mm. but he would get me the uk version because the uk version is much naughtier than the u.s version yeah and there yeah. was this one list it was 300 things to do to drive her crazy 
Yeah. And I'm like flipping, I'm like reading through them. And I stopped at one and I, not out loud, I was reading them to myself. And, uh, and I was like, oh, that one would work. Right. And he goes, which one, which one? And I just <laughs> hand on the book and I'm like, work your way through them. Like, <laughs> work your way up, honey. <laughs> work, work your way. All of these will be good. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Cause all of the, all of the stuff that I've read is it's usually penthouse forums type stuff. And it's always uh, from a guy's perspective and, mm-hmm. you know, she is, you know, tiny and she's 52 but her body is still banging and her pussy is still tight and and I'm just like I I don't I mean I might as well be watching porn because I don't I mean I don't identify with any of that I care it's not relatable but I like that you don't add a um you know too much description to the guy because I've I've told this to people before if you're going to fantasize make it about someone that doesn't exist because then you can never look at that guy's you know like you'll never not see him the same way again right right there's only and one, then if he marries you know, there's only one nice... story in mind that has a male character and the only description is that his hair is long so like if you imagine a guy right. that a little fabio have long hair um, and, but that's very critical to the story. And that was one of the, my friend's stories that I actually converted from her brag mission, of course, into a story. And please um, tell me she's pulling that hair at some hair. point. Is she pulling the hair? <laughs> <laughs> the hair was nice. <laughs> nice. It's, it's very nice. So what is the name of that book? That's uh, ladies first is the name of it. Okay. And where can people get that? That is on Amazon in the erotica section under my uh, pen name, which is Angelin Ceylon. So C-E-Y-L-O-N. C-E-Y-L-O-N. Yeah, it's a good thing you said that because I was not going to guess what that, how to spell that. <laughs> and you said you're working on a new one? Yeah, I just, I got about three or four stories in books of six. Um, so I call it the Six Pack of Sexy series. So you always have, you know, it's a small book. You can take it on a plane, you can take it on vacation. It's not a huge read. It's not Fifty Shades. Although when I have, you know, seven or eight of them together, you know, I could put together a pretty nice movie. Anyone, you know, got a contact, we'll talk. <laughs> That's so funny because I remember reading Fifty Shades of Grey on an airplane and I always choose an aisle seat because I don't like to feel, you know, closed in and I always have to pee a lot. So, I, but every single time somebody would come by down the aisle, I would close the book because I didn't want them to read <laughs> over my shoulder as they were walking down the aisle. And I'm yeah. just like, of all of the people here to be embarrassed, why would you be embarrassed by this? I mean, right. They can also see the cover, dumbass. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but I had I had rented it at the airport. It was when you could, you know, buy yeah. the book in one place and then return it for 50 Return it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm like, somebody else has already read this book. Like, calm down. Yeah. But it was so funny because I am not shy about sex or talking about sex at all. But here I am on the airplane. Here you are like, like, <laughs> like hiding in my book. I'm like, I don't want anybody to know I'm reading this. But it, look, they can see the cover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Don't read it over my shoulder. It's so weird yep. how, how, how we get that way about some stuff. So you're working on another book? Wait, I, I am. Yeah, I'm hoping that, that uh, by the fall I can get something else out. Um, this last year with pandemic has been super interesting because um, there has been, been a lot of sex distractions <laughs> and so many, you know, you know, just taking tours yeah. in every direction. So um, my writing time got diminished quite a bit with uh distance learning and navigating. Oh yeah. 
kind of hard to write erotica when your nine-year-old is on your computer. Yeah, that doesn't really work. Doing his homework. (laughs) I can see that being awkward. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I find that I did my lot lot more coaching this year online because everybody was home. So that that part of my business did increase quite a bit. Um, We were able to run four four classes concurrently and, and help women through you know, this 13 week program that I've got um, that allows them to learn more about pleasure, uh, both with themselves and with their partner. And then also I had another program where we're talking about the corollary between owning your power in the bedroom and owning your power in your money, which was became a really popular class. Um, Nice. And finding that that was elaborate, (laughs) elaborate, I know, right. Um, We're finding that when you when you put your desires aside, right, and you don't honor your sex drive, that you tend to do the same thing in other areas of your life, meaning that you don't speak up as much at work. You don't ask for the raise you know you deserve. You don't um, save the money for the things that are really important to you, and you end up spending them on things like emergencies. (laughs) Um, And you don't honor that those desires are needing to come to fruition. Uh, And if they don't, that bad things will happen. And so we really started talking about how do you set goals? How do you honor that those goals are valid and that you should be working towards them? Uh, And also how does the um, childhood trauma, if you will, around money um, bleed into other areas of your life? So if your parents were not wealthy, if your parents didn't, uh, if they instilled values like work hard, education, and then you realize that the economy has completely changed by the time you did that, like how does all of that affect your work life? And then how does your work life affect your sex life? So it was just really interesting conversation to see how all of that's actually interrelated for women because we're those creatures that everything's interrelated anyway. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I made my new year's resolution this year to have more sex with my husband because I realized last year, it's a joke that I tell in my uh, comedy show, Mm -hmm. uh, my stand-up comedy sex ed show, like my actual show. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, that, you know, my husband and I have had been having sex bi-weekly since we met. And in the beginning that meant twice a week, but now it means every other week. (laughs) (laughs) And I realized, yeah, as, as funny as that is, I realized that sometimes it was getting to be that. And I was Mm -hmm. like, that's ridiculous because I really like orgasms. So, (laughs) and, uh, and I really like my husband. So why would I not just do them together? And so I've been like trying to stick to the bi-weekly thing and having him home from working from home helps because we're we're like nooners. We're noon people. So it works out pretty well. Yeah. So if I ever tell anybody, I just woke up from a nap. I assure you that means I was just having sex. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I am too. I don't get to nap, but you know. Yeah. There was, that's uh. It's our code. It's our it's our code for one. Everyone have should have a code. That's right. It's uh, I'm feeling tired. Are you yes, tired? Absolutely. I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was so interesting so, to see when so many people were home. How many people realized? Um, I think what was good about 2020, if there was anything, is that we all got real real with ourselves about what was working in our lives and what wasn't working in our lives, yeah. and we're able to take a moment to be like, you know what? this path isn't quite where I was hoping to end up. And so I'm going to take a minute and try to redirect while I have a chance to. 
Um, I think some of us did that in our businesses, but some of them also did it in our personal life. And, and for those that did it in their personal life, they were looking for some guidance on how to do that well. And so I think the coaching industry did, you know, was great for that, where people were really searching for the missing piece, whatever was missing before all this happened. And they got real with themselves and like, you know what, I really need to take a minute and find whatever that is. Um, right. We're going to see a Once lot of new businesses in the next stopped. couple of years and a lot of change in people's relationships. Yeah. Well, one thing I did like about 2020 is people who started in relationships in 2020 because they're, they couldn't spend time together. They got to know each other first. So I think yeah. the relationships that developed in 2020 will probably last longer than mm-hmm. ones that started out with the physical um, hookup culture right. because yeah. they got a chance to get to know each other before they started bumping uglies. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, that I think is going to bode well for them. Welcome to going back in time a little bit. Right, right. Take, take it a minute. Yeah, it's yeah, good. To give us, good. give us time to get to know each other. Yeah. So now I'm going to get into my nosy questions. I have a couple of nosy questions that I ask everybody. Okay. And I think it's just because everybody needs to know. How old were you when you lost your virginity? 12. Or the social construct of virginity? 12. Yeah, 12. All right. So I'm not the only one. There we go. <laughs> I think, honestly, that... Um, when we're doing sex ed for sex ed for kids, which we should do, mm-hmm. I think we okay. should show them the bell curve of when people mm-hmm. are likely have lost it. So they can see that down here, there's a few people um, that are in the 12, 13 range, 14, 15. And then that number gets a lot bigger at 16, 17, 18, 19, right. 20. And then it goes back down again. So they can feel that in, in the bell of things, they're still on that curve. Because right. when I lost mine, I thought everybody was already having sex because everybody was talking about it and acting like they'd had it. And, and you're like, oh, I'm late. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think if I had seen a bell curve and seen like, okay, these bitches are lying. Right. <laughs> straight up. Straight. Yeah. Um, then I wouldn't have been probably so low on, on, on the curve. But yeah, Absolutely. it was really, yeah. really young. It was uh, hopefully consensual. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Like that would be a horrible question for me to ask. Um, do you have any funny sex stories? You must. Oh God. Um, probably. Yeah. Um, the time I fell asleep. <laughs> that was, <Done> that. <laughs> that was, um, that was good. Um, <laughs> other funny sex stories. I, I don't know. That's taken me off guard. I'm sure there's plenty of them. Um, <clears throat> time I, I fell off the bed. Fell off the bed. There's a good one. <laughs> What were you doing? You're trying to get into some position and whoop, off I went. <laughs> Lost track of where the end was, apparently. Yeah. It's another reason I have a good king size bed and know where the center right line is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's why I have a king size bed now. At least I have plenty of space to spread out. <laughs> right. You need to get bumper guards to stay yeah. on there. <laughs> I actually was thinking about this earlier because I think I want to do a show on, on um, I don't I don't know what I was thinking last night, but I uh, when I was much younger, I think twenty ish, twenty twenty one, I had sex with a guy who had a kink in his penis, so that the tip of it was literally just like kinked, right? And, yep. and so anytime he would get near the entrance of the vagina, where we're the tightest and most sensitive, and where it feels the best, he would pop out. <laughs> and. <laughs> That was, that's not a funny story, but it, it, it's, I've never forgotten him. 
Like there's a lot of guys I know I've forgotten, but I haven't forgotten him. <laughs> I did not forget. Yes. I did not forget. And the reason though is, all right. So he was, and I've seen this uh, when, when the, um, the stories go around, like how many people have been con- con- cajoled into having sex, you know, mm-hmm. like you weren't gonna, but the guy was just persistent and mm-hmm. you just gave in. And so he was one of those. He was very persistent. He was younger than me. I think he was 17 and I was 21 or something. Yeah. And he was persistent. Yeah. And so finally I was like, all right, whatever. We'll just, we'll have sex. And we were together for a little while, not very long uh, because yeah, 17 and 21 plus I already had a kid, whatever. Um, he moved to Texas. And the next time I heard from him, was I happened to be watching, I think it was Oprah, and she was doing a show about men who were in jail for statutory rape who met the women in bars. Okay. And so, and there he was. And I was like, he's persistent, but he had, (laughs) he had met her in a bar. Yeah. And so he assumed she was of legal age to be in the bar, right. but the bartenders, you know, had never checked her ID and he didn't check her ID. And so I think the the point of the story was, cause there was a couple of different guys, like, why are these guys in jail when, when they, they met? Know. Yeah. Right. They didn't know. They didn't go trolling a, a child's right. playground to find these kids, you know, like, right. and the, the parents had found out and had him arrested. And so that's, that's just a weird side story. That's a funny story about sex. I had sex yeah, with well, I mean, you, what's the last jail? place you'd expect <laughs> to see someone you've been with for sure? Like, I know him. <laughs> like, God, <he's> Oprah. <laughs> I think I might've even sent him a letter after that. I was like, oh, sorry to hear about what happened. I right. don't remember his real name. I only just remember his nickname back then was Goose. I don't remember why, nope. but, um, but that was, I was just thinking about that story last night. I think it was just because it was annoying because of the kinked penis thing. You can't, you couldn't, we couldn't forget that part. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure that didn't come, in, come up in the Oprah story though. <laughs> it did No, probably not, but he was persistent. So that's, that's one thing like I could definitely say about him is like, uh, yeah, but he yeah. met her in a bar. So he expected her to be 21. And right. how, how was that his fault? Do we have to now? I mean, this was Jesus, uh, probably close to 30 years ago. Right. And uh, well, it would have been, it would have been like uh, 25 years ago, at least mm. 20, 25 or 26 years ago. Um, you have to check ID. Is that a thing yeah. now? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, mean, I was just explaining to my nine, my nine-year-old, believe it or not, he had said something about um, pedophiles. And I said, well, you know, if you're, if you turn 18 your girlfriend or boyfriend is 16 or 17, that technically you could be as a pedophile. And he was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it just blew his mind like he's like oh I, okay like, i was like so you, you know you think about that when you get over but th- we're a little ahead of the curve here like you don't need yeah. to know just yet because like you know i, you're still I think they fixed i think they fixed that to like if the person is within two years yeah. so and they were dating 16, before 18, the 17 19 yeah whatever yeah yeah it's it's i mean at some point the law has to look and say come on Knock Common sense needs to prevail, although that's right. in short supply lately. So. Oh, so much. Okay, so next question. Favorite position? Oh, um, favorite position for me is on my back, knees over his hip. Over his hip. 
Yeah, so he's laying down like we're at an L, and I'm my oh, so yeah, wow, oh, yeah, never even thought about that one. Yeah, it's fun, you should try it. Totally different uh, angle, and um, complete. I have complete control of everything that's going on with me, and his fr- hands are free to do what he wants to do, or at least one hand is anyway, and it's <laughs> on his back. So, you know, us old people, we got to work on things like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm always worried I'm going to break me or break him. I outweigh him by quite a bit. So I try to be careful about you know, where I go, what I do. I don't want to break him. <laughs> that was an accidental discovery. And I was like, okay, we're going to do this all the time now. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, favorite toy. Um, hmm. I used to have one that had a little like G-spot ball uh, with a tickler on the outside. Um, I recently got one of those um, sucky ones, the clit sucker ones. Oh, that's, oh, a, like that's the, a whole nother. The womanizer yeah. or Tracy's dog or one of yeah, those. Like, mm-hmm, yeah, that's a whole nother experience. Um, that is new yeah, even for me. Um, but I would say either of those. Yeah, I don't really have um, a lot of toys. I have like the, like the five good ones on the planet, you know, the one with the suction cup, because that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I have one right, right. Yes, there you know what I'm talking about. I had, a, um, I was doing a live talk, a paid speaking gig. And yeah. I realized if you can see over my shoulder where that notebook is, uh, the that's what big was there. purple <laughs> one was right there. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> And I just reached back and I was like, fuck, and I knocked it down on the floor. But there was plenty of people who had seen it ahead of time. And I, I just, wasn't talking. To, I have two uh, talks. One's about sex and the other one is not about sex. And I was like, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I just saw somebody had been um, had been interviewed on the BBC yeah. over the course yep. of the pandemic. And she Everybody had sent me that. one in the background. And I was like, if I ever get interviewed on the BBC, I'm going to purposely put it put on the shelf there. behind me. Just yeah. in solidarity. <laughs> yep. It was so funny because everybody sent me that. And I was just like, okay, I get it. Not gonna <laughs> like so now I have to remember that you could see behind me <laughs> right. when I'm speaking. Yeah. Very important. <laughs> so you said your favorite position. What's your partner's favorite position? Uh probably reverse cowgirl. Ah. Yeah. So because he can see everything, because you know, guys are so visual, plus he's got access to smack the booty if that's his desire desire yeah (laughs) yeah i personally not my favorite although it feels really good not my favorite nobody likes to be looking at feet so you know from yeah that's not sexy not great (laughs) but um you know gets the job done so (laughs) i'm always worried about breaking the penis like i just if i'm in that no i haven't had that problem before i haven't broken anyone but i (laughs) i just i worry when i'm on top Maybe maybe it's in my head. Maybe I just think that I'm a lot heavier than I am. They and- can handle it. They they they'll let you know if you're killing them. Yeah, they yeah. they they can take a licking. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I could take a licking. Yeah, right. <laughs> that'd be a good idea right now. <laughs> like, say, are you tired right now, honey? <laughs> Do you need a nap? <laughs> um. So. I, I, I'm going to wrap this up fairly soon, but I'm just so curious about what, what were you saying to your friends in that group that, that they said you need to write a book, a book? I think that what, what was so intriguing for them is that my partner is um, 
so attentive, um, both as a boyfriend and as a lover. And so as I was describing his uh, demeanor, I guess, uh, which was to serve, you know, to make sure that I was first and I that one I was satisfied. Um, <laughs> and then also the fact that we have all these other, you know, we try all these positions and we're kind of experimental and we try a little bit of rope play. We try a little BDSM. We try a little of this. We try a little of that. So I think a lot of it was just that they were like, how do you get this guy off the couch? <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, he wants to, like, try all this stuff. And so he jokes now that this that my book is his resume. And should we ever break up <laughs> at all times? <laughs> and I was like, you know, you should. That, that's, that's legit. Um, but it, it was just, I think what was so interesting to them was that, you know, they have partners. Again, when women shut down, partnerships shut down, right? And so, like you were saying, you know, if you're only doing it every other week or so, that's fine if that fits both of you, right? If you're both happy with that. But for somebody who has a higher drive, that might not be enough. And so, you know, there's, there's, you got to kind of come to a, 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 a middle ground where everyone's getting what they need. And I think a lot of the women that I was talking to were in relationships that had become really stagnant and they weren't getting anything that they needed. Um, and so to see somebody actively pursuing her desire um, was so intriguing to them that they were like, you really need to like write this out. <laughs> right. That's actually why I started my, um, my other talk, the one that is about sex. Let's talk about sex, the value of open, honest discussions about women's sexual health. It's mm -hmm. because the more women talk about sex with each other, the more they realize that sex is okay and it's mm -hmm. healthy and it's good yep. and you should want it and it's okay to want it. And it doesn't make you a dirty whore. Right. You know, to exactly. want any of the things that you want. And that's what I loved about doing the parties that I did mm -hmm. for a number of years and still occasionally do is the, the people who come in and and afterwards they say that's this is not what I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. And yeah. and it's a, just a conversation. And you're talking about things like lubrication and you're talking about things like arousal and you're talking about things like toys mm -hmm. and you're having that you know their friends are saying oh yeah i love this or oh i love this product i'd love it when you know and they're hearing it's okay to enjoy sex they're hearing mm -hmm. it from me they're hearing it from their peers they're hearing right. it from the people and then it's changing their lives because they're going home and they're saying okay not only is it okay for me to have sex but it's okay for me to ask you to use lubrication it's okay for me to um, ask for an arousal cream. It's okay for me to say, I want to do it doggy style tonight. Right. right. Or yeah. I don't want to do it. Doggy or I style. don't want to do it. Yeah. Right. One of the people in my coaching groups was like learning how to speak for herself. Like that's really what it comes down to is learning how to speak one to know what you want. That's one. And that's right. for a lot of people. And then two, learning how to articulate it in such a way as the shame is gone, like to let go of the shame around it because we're so convinced everything around us that we're not supposed to have any of that. Right. Um, like any of that. It's so hard to break those um, paradigms down. And that's, that's why this podcast, that's why this is so important because I'm getting feedback from people saying, thank you for talking about that. Thank you for bringing mm -hmm. that up. Thank you for just being real. And I'm like, well, I have no other way to be. And I'm sure there's a whole other bunch of people out there going, that's a horrible podcast. And I don't know why people listen to it, but fuck them. 
right. You do you, boo. <laughs> yeah. And they're not going to hear that because they're not listening. Because they're but, not listening. Exactly. <laughs> but the fact is, I do get emails and I do get messages and I do get, you know, people commenting that this is important. And my talk, let's talk about sex, which someday will be a TED talk. Um, it's going to be important. It's going to be impactful mm -hmm. because it's going to tell people that it is okay to talk about sex. It is okay to talk about sex with your partner. It's okay to talk about sex with your friends. Mm -hmm. Not, yep. Yeah. To talk about sex with your friends, not talk about having sex with your friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose Although if that's I, on your desire list, maybe that's okay too, right? <laughs> exactly. I've had, I think, four polyamorous uh, people on my show and, yeah. and um. And so when people go, well, that doesn't really happen very often. I'm like, well, it really does because these are all people that I either knew or knew through somebody else. So right. it's yeah. happening and it's happening it's everywhere. It, I, I'm actually seeing like there's this like, you know, new interest in it, if you will. I don't know that it's ever gone anywhere. It's just been in hiding more than it is now. And um, I have a theory that um, it's actually a requirement going forward because there's no way you can afford anything unless there's three of you paying the bills. <laughs> So it's going to be like a whole new thing because economically you actually need three people in order to pay for everything. That's hysterical. That's right. It takes a village. It takes a village. Absolutely. All right. So how can people find you? Uh, my website is confidenceiscatchy.com. Uh, catchy like a cold. Uh, and <laughs> the idea of that is the more women we make more confident, the more they can pass that on to other women. So just like you said, there's a permission, right, in having women talk about sex. There's a permission in women being able to voice their desires in all realms of life and show that confidence to other women and say, yes, it's okay to speak up. It's okay to be confident. It's not a problem. Um, so that's my primary place. The other place you can find my book is on Amazon. Yeah, it's Ladies First. Uh, and it's got uh, an orange cover, uh, orange and black cover with a dancer uh, on the front cover. So um, hopefully people will find that and enjoy it. Uh, but there's a link to that on the Confidence is Catchy website as well. And I'll be putting the link in, in the uh, show notes. So hopefully if people are interested, they can go grab your book. Um, anything else you want to say to think of any other funny, funny sex stories? Well, you know, the funny thing that I always see is people ask, you know, they put a question on Facebook, what would you tell your younger self? And every single time I see that question, I say, have more sex while you still think you look good. <laughs> <laughs> and every time people laugh at me like I'm kidding, I'm not. <laughs> That's you are hysterical. Younger than you are right now. So, yeah. Or now. <laughs> right. Because that's, and that's, I I, I'm like, what, you know, why are guys obsessed with rubbing our fat bellies? Like, Stop fucking kneading my stomach like it's a cat. I don't feel sexy. Stop it. Stop it. You just go turn around I've, and give your butt instead. Let him need that. I've I've got it sucked in all I can and I can't breathe. Stop touching it. <laughs> and here's the thing, the guys don't care. It's we, we women do this to ourselves. We, we're so silly, I know. right? They really it's not a big deal. Yeah, you know, we get so worked up about, oh, I didn't shave today. Well, they don't care. They don't care. I, I talked to somebody and, and she, she was, you know, like she didn't want to take her shirt off in front of her partner. She's like, like he didn't know that I was fat under the t-shirt. You know? <laughs> like they know what you look like. 
<laughs> also, yeah. take a look at them sometime. Yeah, and seriously, be like, oh, we're not talking right. about Adonis here. You know, yeah, we, we, yeah. Most of the time, I'm, sorry. I'm not laying things. myself out with with Channing Tatum here. It's the guy <laughs> I married. I like him. I think yeah. he looks hot. Exactly, and he think and they think that we look hot even when we think we look like garbage. So you know, right? Yeah, that was actually one of my favorite things. Like a long, long time ago, I remember I was dating this guy, and he was really, really sick, and I ran like like a bad head cold, like a flu sort of thing, <laughs> and I went over, and he looked so piteous and so adorable, and he's like, "I look like crap. Don't come in." I'm like, "You're so cute." Like he, I was just like, "Let me snuggle you." Right, right, yeah. We don't. It doesn't. It doesn't bother us either. And so, you know, we have to yeah. let go of the idea that they care about these things. You know. Right. Well, I really wish like TV would stop making us feel like we have to look better than we do. Yeah. Especially yeah, since they're editing everything. Everything is filtered and fixed anyway. Yep. Absolutely. It's rude. Absolutely. All right. So you can find me on Instagram at standupcomedysexed, standupcomedysexed.com and raylenetaskoski.com. I've set up a Facebook group just for this podcast so you can participate in polls, ask questions, and politely share an alternate point of view and generally let us know what you think of the episode so you can search for Stand Up Comedy Sex Ed Podcast on Facebook. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to it. Share it with your friends and please leave me a comment and let me know how I'm doing. Um, it was so great to have you on the show, Angel. Thanks for coming on last minute even. Yeah, thank you <laughs> for having me. Glad it worked and out. It was nice to meet. I think we have like a ton of mutual friends. We, and do. we might even yeah, be like half in of Connecticut. <laughs> yeah. And we might even be in the same networking group and we just didn't even know it yet. So yeah, yeah. thanks so much for coming on. Bye bye and have a great afternoon. All right. You too. Thanks.